swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Hey folks, this is Five Hole Fantasy Hockey. I'm your host for today, Mike Rogerson. Bonus mailbag day. Uh, Zach and I did an episode that came out earlier today, uh, but we had about 10 mailbag questions left over. and So I got to go through uh, a bunch more mailbag questions. Uh, just a quickie for you. You can find us in our Discord, uh, and that is the place if you want to submit questions for these episodes. You can go to our Discord. Uh, link is in the show notes, and also a uh, link to it is always pinned on our Twitter account as well. And our Twitter is at FHF Hockey. We try to spend some time there, but Discord is the place to do it. Discord is awesome. There's about, uh, I think, 23, 2,400 people in there now from literally all over the world talking hockey and fantasy hockey and i think there's channels for pretty much everything that are always active so it's a fun time but i digress uh, let's dive right into the mailbag you've got mail mailbag oh man i don't even know how to say this one luke c lucal c oh boy i'm gonna hear about this one your question uh for on discord with the emergence of sergachev would Headman owners be insane to explore a package deal if it meant a nice upgrade somewhere else. I know he won't stay cold, of course, but I thought it might be an intriguing idea. I'll use myself as the example and say if I were to explore this, Quinn Hughes would be a top defender in my 12-team points light bangs league. Well, if what you're saying here is trade headman and get quinn hughes plus an upgrade somewhere else in a points league that only has light bangs then yes i would absolutely do that quinn hughes is a kick-ass defenseman in a points league he's one of the top defensemen in a points league he is an assist a game that's kind of what he does he's actually got a few more blocks and hits this year than in the past but still nothing to even stop laughing at but yeah i would do that i mean headman i love i think headman is my uh i still think he's the best all-around defenseman in hockey but um not necessarily in fantasy especially if uh, the bangs aren't a big deal and sergachev is taking a lot of the pressure off him which i think tampa knows how long the season plus the playoffs is they've played more hockey than anybody and he's also got nothing to prove so he's got i'm sure he doesn't mind having a bit of a rest and taking a bit of a backseat to sergachev while he's playing uh, extremely well so no uh i i know headman's numbers will come back there's no doubt about that he's victor headman but um I don't see Sergeyev slowing down too much either. He's a very good defenseman. But if you look at this season, it doesn't really take much to see what's going on here. His points per game average this year is 0.95. So essentially point per game on the season. 
his previous best is half a point per game on the season. So he's getting double the points per game that he's ever scored. Tampa Bay has not changed in in 10 years. So, you know, where's that coming from? He's hitting it as a reasonable pace, nothing outlandish. Already uh, in 19 games, he has eight power play points. Last year in total, he had seven power play points in 78 games. So he's, you know, he's more than doubling his power play output. His power play time on ice is exactly double. So his percentage share of the power play is almost exactly double. So all that put together, I'll told he's got a minute and a half extra time on ice, and he has a minute and a half extra time on ice on the power play. So what's happening with Mikhail Sergachev is he's taking over the power play. That's absolutely the only difference. His stats are literally identical to the last few years in terms of rates and everything. And then... Uh, he's taken over the power play, and that is 100% correlates to his production boost. You know, he comes off the power play. He's the old Mikhail Sergachev, which is a solid defenseman. He's seeing three minutes power play time on ice a night with Kucherov and Point and Stamkos. He's this Sergachev, so it's pretty simple. Uh, you don't have to look too far under the hood to see uh, where it's coming from with him. Is it sustainable? A hundred percent. But it a hundred percent is linked to that power play time. So there's that one. DP set. I reached on Tarasenko because he's in a contract year. Will he get point per game now that the Blues have hopefully exited their slump? Well, the first thing to look at here is with the first words out of your question here where I reached. You know, yeah, this is about the time you get nervous on the guys that you reached for. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? 20 games into the season, kind of not performing as good as they can. Yeah, this is the time you start thinking about those players for sure. Tarasenko, I've always found that he's a good player, but he's always mildly disappointing. I've done the same thing. I've thought, okay, this is going to be the year that we get the true Tarasenko that we've wanted, that we've thought was uh, Tarasenko. <laughs> but um, then it's always like, oh, man, he'll have these huge cold streaks. Uh, yeah, and then it just disappears. It just disappears. St. Louis did have a rough start, but they are starting to pick their pick their socks up, score a few goals. So, I mean, if you look at Tarasenko, let's just look at his, his career stats here. I mean, in terms of points per game, you know, I guess last year he had point per game. In 2019, he had point per game. And other than that, he hovers, uh, you know, around 0 0.8, 0 0.9. So you're looking at, you know, a 70 to 75 point player. Right now he's at a 0.76 points per game pace. So it's it's 13 points in, in 17 games. You know, he has two good games in a row, say. He could very easily be looking at 18 points in 20 games, and then he's right back on his usual pace. So, yeah, I mean, he's not way out of whack. It's uh, 17 games played for him. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd hold on to him. Everything is always, it's exactly the same with him right now. His power play time on ice is one second off of what it was last year. His percentage share of the power play is 
0.6% off of what it was last year. His time on ice is uh, within a minute. He's got a minute extra than he had last year. His shots per game are only down 0.2 shots per game. His shooting percentage has completely dropped. So, you know, Tarasenko is doing exactly what Tarasenko does. His rates are pretty much the same. With him, yeah, he's just not scoring right now, and I think that's a direct result of the team struggling and him not getting... He's getting the same amount of shots, basically, the same rate, but uh, I don't think he's getting the quality, uh, and, and that's what it comes down to. Yep, I'm holding on Tarasenko, cursing him for sure, but holding and expecting fully that he will be 70 to 75 point pace guy but yeah in terms of in the question you directly ask will he get to point per game it's possibly goes point per game for the rest of the season but he's out of you know his career he's only done it twice so it's not really who he is it's much more common for him to be around a 70 to 75 point pace guy you expect that and i think and another he's old <laughs> at this point he's getting getting older uh, we have plenty of data, so we know what to expect. I think we know what we're going to get. Okay, Josh Nissen, 1101, 1101. This is a long one. This is a long, and it's a two-parter. We'll get through it. Uh-oh, I see my name in bold in the second half of this question. Josh Nissen, 1101. What are your thoughts on teams whose records don't exactly show how they're playing? And do you think this is the proper move that the team should possibly take or is trending towards? In my opinion, I believe Florida should have a better record than 9, 8, and 2. And I think Bavarovsky is holding them back as of right now, and Knights should take full control in net. Are there teams that should have better or worse records than they currently have? <laughs> You're asking a Canucks fan if... Uh, there's any teams who should have a better record than they currently do? Yes, I do. In fact, I think there are some of those teams. Vancouver's definitely one of them. I think you're right. Florida should be better, but they're not. I mean, right now, Florida is sitting at 10-8-2, goal differential of just plus three, so very unlike the Florida of last year. Now, in terms of goals for that's been florida's meal ticket for the last few seasons um they're still doing okay i mean they're in the top half of the league they're 12th overall in goals for but that's only getting them just above 500 hockey but for example you know who's ahead of them in goals for per game the new york islanders uh and you know who's just ahead of them the canucks with that brutal record so there's definitely a few teams here who Vancouver and Florida specifically do have their offense together. Um, you know, Canucks are top 10 scoring in the league. So both of them are teams whose records could be a lot better uh, if they could just play some defense. I mean, they have the defensemen leading the league in hits. We can give it that. So Shen, they have a good, solid physical defenseman. They've got Quinn Hughes, who's always, you know, amazing power play quarterback. Uh, great offensive defenseman, reasonably learning how to play defense a, a little bit. I said a little bit. Demko has just been a letdown. Not all the games have been his fault, but really, all it would take, you know, if we had, uh, if we had the usual Superman 
Thatcher Demko in Vancouver that we're so used to. We're so used to for the last, I don't know, four or five years going back to Markstrom and having just terrible teams and having goalies that could take that volume and bail us out to be seemingly mediocre. This is what happens when our goalie is a little less than mediocre. Um, and in fact, he's playing fine. The team is being exposed. So, yeah, Vancouver's definitely one. They just need to get their goaltending together. And honestly, Thatcher Demko is a world-class goalie. I mean, Elliot Friedman picked him to win the Vesna this year. I pick him to win the Vesna every year. But he's definitely a legit elite goalie. So that's not a lot to ask. What's happened in Vancouver is Pedersen, who, you know, we all thought was going to be around point-per-game-ish. You know, superstar kind of guy has become that well over point per game. So he'll probably come down maybe his, his pace a little bit. Horvat is having definitely career year. Yeah, lots lots going on in Vancouver. Is it, All it's going to take for them to turn things around is their amazing goalie to just step it up a little bit. Florida, same thing. Um, they just need to get some defense. They are scoring not record highs in scoring, but they are scoring fairly well, but they're not getting the defense. You know, you look at a team like Boston, for example, who's leading in goals for least goals against. That's how you win the games there. That's why they're 11-0 and at home. But besides that, in terms of who I think could be doing better than they are, Ottawa. Wow, I mean, they're... Top five, great. Uh, you know, they're all they're all doing very well. They're they, another team. They are scoring. They aren't high up the list in terms of scoring. Like they're around the middle, just below the middle in terms of goals for. They're right there with Washington and Carolina and above St. Louis. But um, I mean, the problem with the scoring in Ottawa is you got you know four guys who score. You know, maybe a fifth who chips in, but they have a, a line who scores and then nobody else gets anything whatsoever. Ottawa, I could see them doing a little bit better, but I mean, what I mean by a little bit better is right now they are in second last in the entire league. They're down there below Chicago, well below Arizona. I mean, Ottawa could come up from there, but no, I don't expect them to be in the playoffs or anything like that. Still lots of good fantasy value, but as Zach and I talked about earlier today, the players who are good are taken. Um, past that, who else could be doing better? I mean, I'm, I think Vancouver and Florida are the obvious ones. Calgary playing in around 500 hockey, you know, uh, sitting there right next to Florida in the overall standings. Calgary's got a minus three goal differential, which is... Surprising. I mean, uh, that one, I think the Calgary situation is also pretty easy to see where that stems from. And it's the new guys, um, the Florida guys, uh, Mackie Weger and uh, Jonathan Hockey, <laughs> Johnny Huberdo. They just haven't figured it out. I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, granted, I don't think there could be a more different atmosphere coming from Florida, the zero, you know, there's nothing to do with hockey in Florida coming into Calgary playing for a Sutter. That's definitely got to be some somewhat of a shock to the system, but, I mean, Huberto right now, nine points in 16 games. That's tough. That's super tough. Uh, I just, I, I've said it a couple of times now, but, it's, you know, we're heading into... You know, he's played 16 games, and I'm still saying it. 
I, I hope by game 20 he's got this figured out. But I just think Jonathan Huberdeau is such amazing. He's a kick-ass player. He is an absolutely kick-ass player. And I think, I'm still going to say I think as opposed to I thought, but I think he is the kind of player that Daryl Sutter can like. He's not shy physically. It's definitely not his, his number one MO, but he's not shy. I mean, he's got over a hit per game this year. He's, he blocks shots here and there. You know, he's obviously getting power play time. He'd be insane to take him off the power play for any length of time. But um, yeah, their success comes down to the fact that he's not scoring. And Mackenzie Wieger, who is... Luckily, he's he is a physical presence uh, first and foremost. You just miss that he was he was getting himself some points in Florida, and now he's got five points in nineteen games, with basically zero action on the power play, no points. Uh, and Rasmus Anderson has has locked that down at this point. So, you know, team wise, and for Calgary to do better, it's going to take Weger and Huberto. That's what it's going to take. I am. Pretty convinced that's going to happen. Kadri's worked out. Rasmus Anderson's been a, a nice surprise. Lindholm's still doing his thing. Uh, yeah, Calgary's another team that could see some improvement. Uh, and then the second half for Josh Nissen, Nissan 1101. Nissen, Josh Nissen, Nissen. I know Rogerson will hate this part of the question. That's me. I think that the two most talked about teams in the NHL include the Senators and the Canucks due to their underperformance issues. What's next up for these two teams? I know the Sens are currently looking into trading for a defenseman, and the Canucks haven't said a whole lot besides we don't think we're in a rush to do anything. What do you think has to turn around for these two teams to start performing at the level they were expected to perform at? Well, I pretty much answered that in the first part of your question. So for the Canucks to start performing, and this is why management's not totally freaking out, all they need to really absolutely completely turn their season into a winning season is Thatcher Demko putting up Thatcher Demko numbers. That's it. You know, Bo Horvat's overperforming. Elias Patterson's even overperforming expectations. JT Miller's back on track. Besser's been fine. Quinn Hughes been decent. Shen, like I said, has turned into a great physical presence. You know, we can still use some D help, but the the answer to the team's success there is pretty simple. It's just Demko and whatever it takes to make that work. I mean, even the backup, Spencer Martin, is the one getting any wins that they've gotten this year. So, uh, and then Ottawa. Well, Ottawa's just, it's an incomplete team for fantasy. It's a team built for fantasy, right? Brady Kachuk, Stutzla, Giroud, Debrinkat, Batherson, uh, Shabbat, generally speaking, is a value defenseman, which has turned into Jake Sanderson. So there's that. But then below that on down, I mean, I guess you've got Tyler Mott is a great fourth line player. That's not um, the guy who's going to turn the season around for you. But uh, I think Ottawa is a lot farther away than Vancouver is, just in terms of being a complete team. I think Vancouver is a move or two away, as I was ranting about on our previous episode. We have like 10 or 11 really good forwards and one good defenseman. You know, that, that is 100% Rutherford's fault, and that is fixable. 
uh, I don't know when it's going to happen and why it hasn't happened yet. Ottawa, I just think there's there are a few moves away. So I think there still is some management to do there. But it's an exciting team and it's going in the right direction. In terms of getting them to perform better right now, in terms of the short term, I mean, they've got a minus 10 goal differential. They're just letting in a ton of goals. Bottom third of the league, worse than Chicago, worse than Philadelphia. Surprised to see Vancouver's not the worst. A lot of the Pacific divisions down uh, struggling in net there. Anywho, there you go, Josh Nissen. I think I over-answered that one, at least on the Canucks front anyways. Uh, and then there's another one from Peach here. Raj's view on the Boudreaux-Rutherford relationship and what the team should do moving forward. Trading away Horvat and other expiring deals could have implications for buying low on guys like Demko. I, uh, on Twitter on podcasts I have made my feelings on Boudreaux and Rutherford super clear over and over and over again and yes I'd love to do it again I think Boudreaux is fantastic I mean what more proof do you need than what he did last season and what he's done uh, for his whole career been the same thing every time he's one of the winningest coaches in the history of the NHL so I think he's fantastic. His attitude's killer. He fits the team so well, the way his attitude blends with the star players and stuff. Rutherford, on the other hand, is just, I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, he got us Kuzmenko, um, Mikheyev, Lazar. As I was saying last night, I just hate to repeat myself on every single show, but like, it's so painfully obvious we have super talented forwards and a lot of them and a super talented goalie and apparently two of them. And what we need is solid workhorse defensemen. We have the flashy offensive young defensemen. We all know that. So Rutherford keeps going out and getting us more third-line forwards, solid third-line forwards. And it's really frustrating me. Um, I shouldn't say he's a dick, but he even sounds like a dick. Um, he's definitely, I assume he has some sort of plan, and I hope that plan is packaging up a few of these promising third, fourth liners and trading for a couple of solid middle of the road D, like a good third, a nice second pairing of D would completely change this team. I love the Quinn Hughes and Shen pairing. If we had a solid second pairing, yeah, that's that's it. So if Rutherford does that and all this was some big weird plan, I hate the way he's shit-talking Boudreaux openly. He's talking shit about the players. Um yeah, I, I don't like it at all. He's he's terrible for the team and the whole organization. So he better pull something off here. If you can buy low on Demko in your leagues, he will absolutely uh, put in at least half a season of fantastic goaltending. So yes, I would definitely buy low on him if that's a doable thing. Next question. Get good kid from Discord. Well, your question I already kind of answered in, in the previous question, um, but I'd love an update on your expectations on Huberdeau going forward. My expectations are that he's going to smarten up and get it together and go back to being Huberdeau. 
I've said it publicly enough now that it would be great if he would uh, get on board with me. But uh, again, like I said earlier in this show, talk about a culture difference from living in Florida where there's no pressure on your own, just this all-out offensive juggernaut of a team that nobody cares about. It's just party time in the sun. And then you are playing for a Sutter in Calgary. So there's definitely a more structured environment. It's an absolute hockey town. There's no nothing more hockey than playing with or for a Sutter brother. So, you know, it's it's just a whole big change. And I absolutely, absolutely expect. I would go so far as to say I would put money down. He's point per game from now till the end of the season. Last 60 games of the season, he'll be point per game. Or better, for sure. Uh, news feeds. Um, news feeds. All caps news feeds, by the way. What are we doing with Campbell? Assuming another team has Skinner. Yeah, I mean, Skinner has played an equal amount of games to Campbell now and just putting up better results, generally speaking. I mean, he got destroyed last game uh, against Jersey, but Jersey's been walking all over everybody. You know, previous to that, he had a bunch of, you know, really nice save percentage games. Um, a couple of wins. Edmonton overall uh, has not been winning consistently, you know, largely in part to inconsistent goaltending. I mean, Skinner, I guess, has been a little more consistent overall. And if you look at season long, his numbers look a lot better, you know, 278 goals against average, 921 save percentage, as opposed to Jack Campbell's 415 goals against and an 876 safe percentage so i would pick up skinner um uh honestly though i mean the team starts winning whoever's in net is probably gonna get lucky and get a run so keep your eyes peeled people are dropping jack campbell i don't think i would i think i'd try to shelter him but um so i would try to pick up skinner but i just don't think you're gonna get much for campbell in a trade i don't think you can drop the probably starting goalie for the Oilers who are probably going to be really good again very soon. It's another one of those frustrating players, but hopefully he didn't invest too much to get Campbell. Like hopefully he didn't draft him too high because, you know, people expected struggles. He's going to need the Oilers to be dominant as a team and kind of cover up the fact that he's Jack Campbell, uh, which is probably going to happen. So if somebody's interested, definitely would trade him as well, though. Definitely would trade him as well. Last minute question here from Son of San Ramon. Uh, is St. Louis finally back? Rob, Tommy, and Cairo finally going? Um, yeah, they kind of are. I mean, St. Louis is weird. They have huge swaths of sucking followed by winning Stanley Cups and goalies that just seem to come from nowhere and become amazing and then get traded away. Uh, and then you get back to Bennington. And then he's good, and then he's not, and then he fights somebody. But all in all, yes, I think uh, St. Louis is much more on track than than previous. I mean, they lost to Buffalo, you know, pretty handily um, in their last game. But previous to that, I mean, they had an eight, uh, I think it was seven game win streak after you know a six or seven game losing streak, and that kind of is St. Louis. Coming up, they have Tampa, Florida, Dallas, 
Carolina. So they got a string of tough games. So we're going to definitely see what St. Louis is made of. Uh, but they are definitely absolutely 100% playing better than earlier in the season. And, yeah, I think it's about a seven-game winning streak they had out of the last eight. And in that streak, yeah, Rob Thomas had 10 points, uh, Buchnevich 11 points, Cairo 10 points. So, I mean, those are guys we were asking big questions about two weeks ago, and that's what's happened in the span of those two weeks is is absolutely awesome hockey. <laughs> Nola Chari in that span, too, seven points in eight games, throwing in 20 hits. Uh, the defenseman um, of choice these days there is Justin Falk. Uh, even Braden Chen is a point per game recently. Tory Krug still continues to struggle in St. Louis and his ownerships dropped. So I, I wouldn't even really be thinking about him anymore. But the only guy out of that whole list that you could really look at is Achari. He brings the hits. He has been uh, scoring. He's been shooting. And that's kind of what he does. So he's always a good streamer if you're looking for guys from St. Louis these days. And Shen is um, 70% owned. And he has also sort of turned himself back into his usual sort of 70 point, 65, 70 point pace. He's a good all-around fantasy guy. So keep your eyes open for Shen. If people drop him, I would I'd always like to pick him up. Kipper34 asked us on Discord about... Bobrovsky, the Bobrovsky uh, versus Suge Knight conspiracy. Uh, yeah, Zach and I rambled on about that one uh, on the episode that came out earlier today. So uh, check that one out uh, for a spirited conversation about um, those two. I just want to see, make sure I hit everybody here. Oh, here's one I didn't see. AV Neats, Av Neats 94. What do I do with Kopitar? I feel like there are better performing centers out there on the waiver wire. Trading him for someone has been hard. Yeah. You never get value for Kopitar. I don't know what's up with that. Uh, but yeah, you never seem to get, uh, you know, his hockey worth. Yes, great hockey worth <laughs> does Kopitar. But we don't really care about that. Uh, what we care about is fantasy worth. And honestly, you're probably, all things considered, best off holding. I mean, he has 16 points in 22 games. He had two assists in the last game against the Rangers, four shots on goal. Before that, I mean, he had a little cold streak. Uh, but he's been inconsistent, definitely would give you that. I don't know if you're going to upgrade is the thing. You might be able to get someone who's better right now. But I think overall, you're not going to get someone who's better than Anze Kopitar. You're definitely not going to get someone who's as locked in to center the power play. He's 100% going to center every power play LA has until he leaves. So you're not going to find that from anyone else on the waiver wire except maybe Logan Couture and I dare you. <laughs> so no, I'm not dropping Kopitar. I'm holding Kopitar. Another player that you're cursing a little bit. Still devastating in face-off leagues. Um, shooting okay. Yeah, yeah, you got to hang on to him. If you happen to have a Kopitar fan in your league and can trade him and show him this part of the podcast. I mean, Kopitar's great. And I, th like, I think if you did get rid of him, you'd regret it. Um, he's still playing 20 minutes time on ice. 
So he's not slowing down. That's it for now. Like I said earlier, if you want to get questions into these mailbag episodes, uh, next one won't just be me. There'll be I'll have some people with me to help me answer these questions. But we wanted to get to the bottom of the bag for now. Uh, we appreciate all the the input from everybody. It gives us stuff to talk about. You can go on to our Discord. We have a Thursday mailbag channel in there. Um, and poke around. There's tons of stuff to talk about. Hockey cards, uh, show off your jersey, show us some pictures of games, tell us about your hockey stories, all that kind of stuff. It's fun, actually. And, yeah, you can get at us on Twitter, at FHFHockey. TJ's still plugging away at his course, uh, doing really well. Man, it looks tough. I know if anybody can do it, he can. Zach is enjoying a big-ass turkey right now, so I love you guys. Happy Thanksgiving to my American brothers. I am thankful that those guys brought me out to do this show with them, and that's God's honest truth. Love you guys. Love you guys.